You're listening to the Why Europe podcast by Greater Europe Mission, where we explore how God is moving on the continent of Europe and how you can be a part of it. Visit gemission.org to learn how you can join us in prayer, partner financially, or potentially serve in any of the locations that we discuss. My name is Nathan. I recruit, send, and mentor missionaries. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we talk with Leslie Hall in London about her background, what ministry is like in London, but also why London, why Europe, the cultural differences all over London, the need for the gospel, and more. Thanks for joining us today. Okay, so we were just, before we started this episode, we were talking about (laughs) the culture of London, and uh, London, England, I mean, one of the biggest cities in the world. It's like on everybody's bucket list to go there. What is... What is the culture like? Because there's, I've heard there's over a million Muslims that live in London. There are different, different people groups in different parts of the city. So mm-hmm. uh, give us an overview, I guess, or go as in-depth as you'd like about what London is like, because Shoot. it's definitely not just British people anymore. It's definitely not just your typical Anglo, no. white, uh, English person living in London. So yeah, yeah, the floor is yours. Like if you picture... If you picture like Britain and the UK, and I think a lot of uh, particularly North Americans will just kind of think Downton Abbey kind of styles. Yeah. Like you just think of like, oh, real proper yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Like London is essentially its own country. Uh, there's just, there's so, there's so much diversity. Yeah. And I mean, it's diversity of thought, it's diversity of ethnicity, mm-hmm. uh, thought pattern. And you have a lot of diff- even like clashes of, uh, cultural mentality of like East versus Western mentality mm. of like, what does it mean to do family community? Um, what morals, all of that kind of stuff. And you see that clash, like literally all the time, yeah. uh, just in the way in which you see people walk down the street. Like you'll, you'll see a lot of like uh, white Westerners trying to do things very like orderly, uh, very like, okay, which you'll hear people ask all the time, which side of the road do I walk down? Like, because I know things are opposite or whatever, like where right, do I walk? Right. And people, it doesn't make sense because you have too many people and too many different ethnicities and too many different like differences. There, it that doesn't happen. Like it's not going to be as like cut and dry because then you'll have a giant community of people from like more of an Eastern kind of culture or from the global South, and they're walking around as a family in a community because that's kind of what you do. You don't just like you don't walk utilitarianly through. A, a place like you have you have a different cultural way of life so uh we were talking before we hit record just of like you have little pockets of little different things yeah. so i've got a friend who lives in an area um of harrow where it's essentially just a ton of people from india and from southwest mm-hmm. asia all all of those kind of places uh i live in I live in a, in central London. I live in Soho, which is uh, kind of a conglomeration of, of literally everything yeah. and I mean like absolute poorest of the poor and the wealthiest of the wealthy. Mm. Like the the real stark contrast I saw the other day on my street that I can like I'm looking out mm-hmm. at right now. Uh, there's uh, a couple people who they um, hand out this issue. It's called the Big Issue. It helps to raise money for people experiencing homelessness and and kind of hitting rough, like rough times. He's handing that out, asking uh, for people to help support him. And as he's walking by, he walks past a gold Ferrari. I mean, it, the thing is 
platinum yeah. gold. Like the re- like shiny as can be. People are like, put it on the gram, <laughs> like taking pictures of it. And that's kind of the like juxtaposition of what it means to live in London. In so many ways, you'll see literally every tribe, tongue, and nation, totally. one. And you'll see absolute depravity and absolute like ob- obscene wealth. And then I love that there's also just like little pockets of the kingdom of God. Like there, there are some like um, real thin spaces mm-hmm. here in mm-hmm. London. And I think a lot of that is is due to, um, I mean, there's an area of London called Fetter Lane, and there's some churches around there, and that's that's the place where John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed, and that started uh, a revolution Incredible. that changed the course of, of human yeah. history. So I think there's there's a little bit of everything you can find in London, and that's one of the reasons why I really love this city. So yeah, much. and I've heard that there's a big church planning movement that's happened in certain parts of the city, like, like lots of African communities, and so... Uh, but I also just saw in a statistic that the BBC just released that Christians are now the yeah. minority for the first time in its history uh, in the UK. So are you seeing that postmodern European, I guess, familiarity of postmodern Christian society, postmodern Christian, uh, I guess, attitude or emotion within the culture of London? <sighs> Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I think because London is so diverse, I think you'll actually begin to see more of that that postmodern um, viewpoint of I, I just do what works best for you. Yeah. And the further you go out of London and the more you go into more rural areas of England and, and Scotland and even Wales, like there's there's just a we, we don't need this kind of sense in a lot of people. And I think and it, it honestly, I think it depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. If you ask, um, there's some good, beautiful friends of mine uh, doing work in like the Midlands of, of mm-hmm. England, and you know, people in in this country really like to slag off like a brummy Midlands kind of accent. Like that's just it's kind of like the way that um, people from the United States kind of tend to slag off like a Southern accent. Yeah. Like it's it has that same kind of kind of vibe to it. And they're seeing massive amounts of people just come to know mm-hmm. Jesus because of their great need that they have. They're, they're recognizing, you know, the world promises if you pursue these things, you'll find your completeness. Yeah, totally. And they do that, and then the completeness doesn't come because we, we can't get uh, satisfaction from earthly things because we're not created for this. We're created for a relationship with the right, Creator. Right. And they're seeing people like come to know Jesus day in and day out and it's beautiful but you go to other areas where there is no sense of need where the illusion that if I have enough money or if I have enough security like that's currently working for them it's a lot that's a lot harder soil to actually bring the gospel because they honestly just haven't had that point of desperation and the world, like their their dynamic and their framework, that from that that postmodern um, radical individual self, like I can do all things through myself. Yeah, totally. And they've not yet experienced the the failure of that. Yeah. And I think it's it's I think one of the th- gifts that we have as followers of Jesus is to be there when that that house that's built upon the sand crumbles. And how can we, as like God's church and people, be people who are founded upon the rock and ready to like welcome with hospitality those whose 
you know, houses have fallen totally. under the stru- like the, the bad structures that they built. So when I think about London, you get a little bit of both. You get a little bit of everything. So I think, I think statistically speaking, London will actually have a higher um, uh, warmth towards religion mm. and towards spirituality than some other places for a lot of different reasons. I talk to a lot of um, a lot of people. I'm pretty much like the only Christian they know, and it, we we have really hilarious conversations. Um, as soon as I say it, people ask the question, Hey, what do you do? And yeah. that's, it's, yeah, it's I work game in over ministry. From you there, can't say you work gonna... in ministry. What does that mean? You know, like, well, yeah. yeah. I go with, I, I tell people, Hey, I'm a spiritual director. Cause that's, you know, that's what I'm going for. And the, the responses are priceless. Honestly, They're like a lot of people think I'm some kind of like, Oh, they, um, someone called me like a, um, ah, oh, like a Zen, like a Buddhist, but like for Christians, yeah. like it was a weird thing. Like, oh, are you just like, like a monk for Jesus kind of thing? And I'm like, actually, that's yeah, not I'll <laughs> kind take of. That. I meditate and I, I'll, you know, meditate on the word day and night. Sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, you'll have like a real like desire for deep spirituality mm. in a lot of in a lot of people, and they're searching for that in Kabbalah. They're searching for that in their yoga class. Yeah. They're searching for that even in things like sobriety. Wow, and yeah. it, so it, true. It's fascinating to me because we, we talk about these kind of things all the time. And the way that they talk about it sounds exhausting. Like, I don't know how they do it because it's just this constant, like, you have to do this in and of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I always say that. I'm like, isn't that, like, really hard? Like, what happens when you fail? Because I I fail all the time. And that's the kind of the beauty of the gospel is, we're never going to be perfect at this. And like, thanks be to God, God actually does the completion in us for right. ourselves. Like it is Holy Spirit who makes us new every day. Mm-hmm. It's the newness of God's mercies that happen yes. every day. Like those things are gifts that I get to receive. I get to receive this. I do literally, <laughs> I show up and like I'll offer like, God, I want to see you work. And he's like, okay, yeah, here you go. Yeah. Here's here's another fruit of my spirit here's something for you to do and everything is gift yeah. and everything every time i talked to my other mates who were pursuing these other spiritual things they i was like y'all that's exhausting mm. you got to do all of all of yeah. that by yourself you have to work so hard mm-hmm. for that like trust me like following jesus's work too but it is something that comes not out of my own strength but by god's yeah. spirit and that's the same spirit that raised christ from the dead and last time i checked that's that's a lot yeah, of power yeah totally so, yeah I'd rather, I'd rather put my strength and, and trust there. So we we get a lot of good conversations um, at like midnight in a like club in mm-hmm. London, and we're like, let's just all chat yeah. about this and and just see what God does. And it's been really cool to see like the fruitfulness come out of those really random conversations. Because yeah. typically they happen when you're, I guess when you have a, a closer relationship with somebody, and sometimes they just happen naturally. Mm. You know, like. They'll just come up in conversation. Yeah. And I feel like for European culture, and I've done a lot of work in the UK, especially for people in the UK, you almost have to convince them that they need Jesus because many of them have the materialistic thing met, you know, the food, the housing. So yeah. why would I need Jesus if I'm if I'm doing all this for myself and for my family? Why would I need God? Because yeah. many of them look at religion as a rule book or just going to church. So it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. And I think it's just the question of like, hey, how's that going? 
Like, do you actually feel like a better person and actually feel like more safe and complete and good, like with all these things? Because last time I checked, this is the most anxious society that's ever mm. lived. We are constantly in like a, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And that has no answer for the evil in the world. Like I, um, I'll, I'll always name, like I love listening to John Tyson preach. Mm-hmm. Like he's genuinely Church of the City, New York. It's such a, such a gift and such a joy. And he had a message on Sunday um, just about like, or uh, maybe two weeks ago, just about like there's so much darkness in the world and the world around us does not have an answer for evil. Like we don't have an answer outside of the human capacity to do horrible things because of the evil and sin in the world. Like you don't have um, an answer in finance and in AI and in technology for like school shootings and, and horrible things that happen in the world. But as followers of Jesus, we believe there's darkness and that's really bad news. And the good news is that light came and entered into the world as Jesus and conquered the darkness mm-hmm. and overcame all of the darkness. And it's just like we have such we have such a good story to tell. And I just I I think we need to recognize like we need to be better at telling the story. And and part of that is actually recognizing there's bad news in the mm-hmm. world and not being shy about that. Like uh, in that same teaching, you talked about like. You know, you go to a doctor, and when they can't figure out what's wrong with you, that's a whole, that's that's terrifying. You want someone who can tell you exactly what's going on, no matter how bad it is, because once you know what the problem is, there's a solu- There can be a solution mm-hmm. for it. There can be, you know, clarity yeah. and and just a sense of peace. Yeah. So I think as Christians, and especially within the context of Europe, we need to be, I think, louder about the problem of pain and the problem of sin and the problem of death, because. Once we recognize the bad news, man, we've got so much good news yeah. to share. And it's it's the best. Yeah. It's the best ever. Yeah. And when death co- becomes a reality and when the pain and the problems become a reality in culture, I feel like people are looking for something mm-hmm. greater than themselves. And they yeah. they look for something. Yeah. They look for an answer in something. So they're searching in the tarot cards or, you know, Buddhism yeah. or I guess becoming a monk or something. And there's a peace that Jesus offers that is unlike anything. So I guess, I guess, are you met with skepticism quite a bit within, you know, the people that you run into in your, in your Mm -hmm. circle? I think more than anything, it's, it's a bit of skepticism and a bit of, um, it's, it's a lot like if you've ever seen Ted Lasso, it's the kind of skepticism that he receives in entering into British culture of like, is this guy for real? Like, is this, is, is this really, a th- like, this sounds really hopeful and this sounds really interesting and it, this might work, but my experience isn't hurt and pain in actually putting my hope in something before that has been crushed. Yeah. So I'm a bit nervous about, like putting my trust in yeah. something. Like I need to see it work. Um, I need to um, like believe this, like really fully have a little bit more evidence to believe this is true, right. uh, which is like why I love stuff like Alpha. Like it's 12 weeks taking people along like, no, nah, there's a lot of good evidence for this yeah, stuff. Totally. And a lot of that evidence is that totally historical, totally like concrete. But a lot of it is 
come and see that the Holy Spirit is like alive and has things to say to yeah. you and that the Bible is constantly speaking and that the character and spirit of Jesus is is alive mm-hmm. and moving. Um, so the skepticism, it, it really does feel like, hey, that's really good for you, but I don't yet understand how that's mm-hmm. good for me. And I think the invitation is just like, okay, come and see. Yeah. Come and like put yourself in a position to, to see if this is really as good as it is. And I'm, I'm very confident that it will be actually better than you could ever ask or imagine. Yeah. So I think just having those opportunities to bring people along and to put people in places where it's okay to explore, it's okay to, to ask the audacious question, to come in, you know, kicking and screaming sometimes and asking the like, that's not an okay thing to say in church kind of thing. And to not, I think for us as the body of Christ, not to react to that, yeah. not to just be like, not to be shocked by the darkness, but not to be shocked by the the outrageousness of the world sometimes, but to just be like, yeah, this is this is what it is, this is what it means, and and this is kind of the way in which we can respond as followers of Jesus in a in a way that proclaims like the goodness of light and the goodness of who God is. Yeah, I I really am led right now to any of our British friends listening. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not a bait and switch lifestyle that we're living. This is something that we believe uh, our Lord has told us to do, our God and our Savior Jesus has told us to do, which is to go live among people, live among cultures that are different than us, to share the light of Christ and to make friendships and to be hospitable, to show that Christians are not just after your money, we're not just after uh, saving your soul. Obviously, we want you to come to know Christ because we believe that there's an abundant life that you can live that we believe Mm. we're living, not that we're better than you, but we just see peace and freedom, and we want to share that with people. And so I think there's an enormous uh, burden on our hearts to share that with you. Mm. So definitely not. We're not just doing this just to to convert you. We want to invite you into a relationship with Mm. Christ. And we want to be your friend, and we want to walk with you through, which is why I love the discipleship portion of Alpha, uh, which is yeah, you've come to know Christ. Now what? Now let's let's try to answer your questions. Let's try to go into these deep topics of what if and why is there suffering in the world, which is a huge one among skeptics, and rightfully so. That's a huge question. Yeah. Um, so I just I just wanted to say that. Um, yeah. This is not. Yeah, because th- just about your conversion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if it was just about conversion, then. Yeah, what do you do with the rest of your life? Like, I would have, if it was mm-hmm. just about my conversion, I would have been done, what, like, over a decade ago. And, mm-hmm. Je- like, Jesus has gotten better with time. Like, fine wine kind of situation. Like, it is better with time. And I think, like, yeah. to follow Jesus and, like, uh, the hope that we have to offer. And the, the, the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I got adopted into a family that was better than I could have ever imagine i didn't grow up as a christian that's that's still just like not my story but i got i had this longing for for family and for belonging that i feel like as human beings we all have that we all have that that urge in us to feel like we belong somewhere and when someone proclaimed who jesus was to me i got adopted into a family that's better than i could have ever dreamed and it keeps getting better and better and better like this family keeps growing and i 
am right. desperate to actually invite more and more people into this family because of how good it is. Mm. And yes, mm-hmm. we, and I think even like we struggle with like relationships and family, like things get hard. Like I argue, like we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to argue, we're going to have disagreements, but like the thing about the body of Christ and the thing about the church is there's like, there's a whole, there's a, there's a Holy Spirit that existed before time, that existed before all of creation, that was good and beautiful. And now that thing like unites you and I together. So our friendship actually began way before everything was created because of the way that Holy Spirit like puts everyone together and unites people. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. That is the most wild kind of thing ever but it's so beautiful and it's like it's so true to be able to like walk in to any place in the world with any kind of person and to be able to look in their eyes and see jesus in them and know like yeah you are my brother you are my sister and like i want to see more and more people captivated by that because yeah it's not a bait and switch it's actually it's it's come and become everything you were created to be and experience what like life and life to the full is like because goodness Mm. like any the first time i ever had like a really good taco like i wanted to eat tacos for the rest of my life and i think like (laughs) i think jesus has fought like a lot better than tacos but i i like i'll never shut up about how good this stuff is like once Mm -hmm. you have like carne asada and it changes your life like you want to be you want to like invite more and more people to eat that really good meal and i i that's that's the kingdom of god in so many ways and i think we can you know proclaim yeah. jesus through the, the food that we eat as well so that's a, probably another yeah, thing amen there. yeah that's a, that's another gift <laughs> from from the father is the ability to eat great food together and to commune together and yeah i guess like what you were saying that's what faith is right it's it's this trust and belief that, yeah, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to follow you anyway. And that's mm. the narrative of the New Testament. That's the narrative of the, old, the of the entire Bible. Like, God, we, we know that yeah. you're God. We believe that you're God, yeah. so we're just going to trust you and follow you. And sometimes it's going to get really hard, but we're going to trust and we're still going to follow you. And we're going to be with community as we do it. And Totally. Yeah, so I think that's so beautiful. So y- you mentioned your story and mm. your your past. So I'd love if you would share a little bit of that with us. You're 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 coming to know Christ, leading that, sure. you know, leading you into a life of mission, leading you into, you know, uh, get, getting to London at this point. So I guess sure. your say yes to Jesus moment all the way to today uh as you, you yeah. know, serving in London with Greater Europe Mission. Yeah. Yeah, it was um it's funny like I I spend a lot of I love I love a good reflection. I love to be able to like look back and piece all the little things together. Um and I I've, I've seen God work through my life from like day 1. Like the first moment like yeah. I felt like God really God was doing something and uh my family uh has a lot of um like painful issues. There's been a lot of like pain in our family kind of of origin mm-hmm. of there's been addiction there's been just painful hurt um and just yeah. really really those kind of things and that's kind of the environment that i grew up in which meant 
I probably grew up a little bit too fast uh, and became uh, kind of an emotional caregiver in a lot of ways for my for my two par- my my parents. And uh, yeah. one of the things and the, the weird gifts that God gave me was they decided, you know, we want you to have a good education, so you, we're going to stick you in Catholic school from six years old until you're 18. And it was the only dynamic wow. I knew and understood and. For some reason, I always just felt myself drawn to religion class, which was a, a dynamic that we had um, very similar to the way that education works here in the UK. Like you have religious education or RE lessons all the time. And that was part of the dynamic of what I grew up in. And I was drawn to it. I just loved loved memorizing prayers. I loved um, learning about the lives of the saints um, I felt like I had a Catholic yeah. mass like memorized by the time I was eight years old or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, but none of that, that was like a weird, like it, like a school, it was a school subject. It didn't hit my heart in any way. I just, I found it interesting from like a, like a learning perspective. I just thought it was all like, this is, this is neat. I want to learn more about this. Um, and then I became a teenager and then my life ended up looking a lot like the film Mean Girls. And as uh, wow. if anyone's ever seen it, it's this like dynamic. That's funny. It has some really funny moments in it. And yeah, it does. Yeah. I, it's, it's this story of just teenagers just being horrible to one another, which is like if you've ever been to school, like it's bullying. It's all of those things. And, totally. you know, unfortunately, popular I was. Popular versus unpopular. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, um, there's a, there's a phrase that I, I think a lot of like people here in the UK would understand, but I was like, uh, it's called a B-knock. It's like a big name on campus. I don't know if that's, that translates to our, our North American friends, but that, that was kind of the dynamic so. that I had. Yeah. There you go. You've learned, <laughs> you've, you've learned what a B-knock is, which is a fun, <laughs> fun little cultural lesson for everyone. Um, but I was one of those. I was horrible. I did whatever it took to be popular, and I manipulated people. And I, yeah, mm. I w- was a ringleader for so much of that, and a lot of that was so unhealthy. And all of that came from my desire to be loved. I wanted people to care about me. I wanted people to think that I was great. And what happens when mm. stuff like that happens, and you manipulate people, they will also manipulate you. And it becomes this cycle of yeah. of hurt. And it was it was awful. And it left me in a place where I was so depressed and I felt so alone and I didn't really care anymore. I like hit a low. And every summer I would go to my grandparents' house and the girl next door was really lovely. And her grandparents had a pool. So naturally, hot summers in the Midwest of America, you're gonna hang out at the pool all the time. And mm-hmm. this chick invited me to this thing called youth group. And I thought this was going to be the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. But right now I have no friends because everyone in like, everyone's excluding me at the moment. So I, I need community and I need people. So I guess I'll go show up to this youth group. And I've never felt like anything like what I experienced when I first went to this youth group. It wasn't a bunch of nerdy weird people sitting around singing kumbaya and reading the bible it was interesting people who were really 
compassionate and caring and loving. And we played a really fun game of uh, dodgeball with little bags of flour and everyone was given a black shirt and it was fun. It was really cool. (laughs) And for like nine months after that, I kept showing up and kept getting to know people. And I couldn't escape the way that these people cared for me. The way that these the, yeah. this like group of my peers, this group of other adults just really cared about me. And they invited me to come to this thing that was, we camped in a field. And then we went into this place called King's Island in Cincinnati, Ohio, if anyone's familiar. And it's a theme park. There's roller well, coasters. It's like, come on, good stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they had... It's called. It was called Spirit Song, and it was a bunch of Christian artists and bands and stuff like that that would play in the evening, so you could like ride roller coasters until you were ill, and then in the evening listen to a bunch of music and stuff. Which I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds fun. Why wouldn't I go to that? And I had no idea that mm-hmm. all of these people were praying for me to encounter who Jesus was for the first time, like because I knew all this stuff. Like I, I was starting to learn worship songs and all that, but they were all like, it's time for you to like know who Jesus is. So eventually Mm. a guy gets up and preaches the gospel. And I had heard all of those words in for, for years and years and years um, through Catholic school and, and through just getting to know this youth group, but something clicked in me. And it was the, this whole concept of God loves you. And do you want to accept that love and let that love transform you? Uh, and with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to accept that love, stand up. And I thought for sure the whole place would be stood up. Like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard of. Why wouldn't everyone in the world want this? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I stood up and then opened my eyes. And it's just like me and two other people in this amphitheater standing up. And I'm like, oh, oh, a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah. And... It was, it was great. I felt like people were like encouraging me, like strangers were walking up and handing me like stuff. And they were like, yes, we're so excited for you. And I was like, I don't know what I just did. Um, but that was the moment that yeah. changed my life. And basically after that, for the next, um, that was when I was about 13 years old. And then up until I was 18, I just got radically discipled by women who really love the Bible. And mm. they adopted me as their daughter i had a lot of like um a lot of tough things happen with my family and i got injured playing basketball so i was like well my dreams of joining the wnba aren't going to happen anymore so who am i what am i going to do had that little identity crisis as a teenager and they loved me they just loved me through it and said hey you're you're so much more than this your identity is in christ and walked me through that. So when it came time to decide, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'm, you know, 17, 18 years old. I need to go off to uni. What what am I going to do? And the only thing I wanted to do was love people and help people fall in love with Jesus. So I went mm-hmm. off to Cincinnati Christian University, started, started studying the Bible, really wanted to become like the next Beth Moore, but for more of like a like a tomboy kind of environment, like didn't really want to do the whole like big hair and stuff and like lipstick, but wanted to be um, <laughs> right. more down to earth. Beth Moore is what we were hoping for. Um, and just teach mm. people the Bible. And 
And God just transformed my heart and said, like, no, I, I want you, I, I need you to be in ministry and I need you to be called to people and not be a scholar and not like write papers on the Bible, which was devastating, but also praise God for that because I would have been horrible at it. Um, yeah. And I met <laughs> yeah. a gal, met a gal from Northern Ireland who ended up becoming one of my best friends and in, in university. And she, uh, the, my school was going to do this trip to Northern Ireland for 10 days. And it would be kind of like a mission trip. And I had never heard of what a mission trip was. I had no concept of like, what do you mean you raise money for it? And didn't really understand that kind of stuff. That's what, not what I grew up in. And mm-hmm. my mentor saw me sign up for this 10-day trip and took me aside and said, look, I think you should do this, but I think you should do this 10-month internship instead. I was like, 10 months? I've never left. I didn't have a passport. I'd never left the country. Yeah. I'd never heard of missions. I had no idea what was going to happen. And she said, well, just pray about it and see what God does. And then God just, it just happened. It was all provided for. Mm. I had, I had, I had, didn't know what was happening. So I was like, well, I guess I have to do this. And I, yeah, I did a youth ministry gap year program that I kind of tweaked around and used as an internship for my degree. And I moved to a place called Bister in mm. Oxfordshire. And yeah. my mom still to this day can't pronounce Bister, which is hilarious to me. It's spelled Bicester, so it gets a bit confusing. Um, uh-huh. And that was the first time that God, like, I, I, I don't feel called necessarily to England. And I don't, like, it. God just wrecked my life and said, I have mm. created you to love people and help people love me. And that was the first time I encountered the Holy Spirit. That was the first time I heard God speak to me in my soul. It was, I, I've never been the same since. Um, and mm. that 10-month time really captured my heart for what it means to love people who are within a post-Christian context. Um, there's later in life, I encountered the teachings of a guy called Mark Sayers, and he talks about post-Christian culture and that mentality is desiring the kingdom without the king. It's this con it's this right. framework that says I want justice. I want grace. I want love that's right. sacrificial. But I want that apart from Jesus. And you can't get yeah. oranges apart from an orange tree. You can't get the mm-hmm. fruit of the spirit apart from the rootedness that comes from abiding with Jesus. So Yeah, so true. That that cultural framework is my favorite thing in the world to minister to. And the, that's the only, that's what I feel called to, is ministering to people who have no need for Jesus and being able to kind of poke some holes in some things and say, hey, like, there's so much more for uh, in life for you. C.S. Lewis talks about... Um, you know, we are far too easily pleased as, as human beings. We are offered a holiday at the sea, and instead we are content making mud pies in the garden. And what it means to embody a lifestyle and an embody a discipleship that models a holiday at the sea and be able to help people encounter that holiday at the sea. So, yeah, I, I knew that I would move back to, to England to, to do all of this. Um, but I had to have my own little like 
had to have my midlife crisis or my quarter life crisis, I guess. I don't know. We're not guaranteed yeah. any day. Maybe it's a midlife. Um, and yeah. I finished university and um, ended up, you know, not being able to find a job in ministry for a lot of different reasons and ended up mm-hmm. at a church that loved me really, really well through that um, and cared for me and helped me heal from a lot of my own burnout and a lot of um, my own kind of insecurities and things like that. Uh, All at the same time, while I became a professional barista and got really good at making coffee and ministering to university students. And from there, God used all of that time. God used all that healing to set me on a trajectory to become a spiritual director. Because at that, when I was in burnout, I discovered what Sabbath was. I discovered all of my favorite um, 2,000-year-old dead people who wrote amazing things about following the way of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I got really good at coffee. And my friends who I met in Bister were like, come help us be a part of this coffee shop that we started to love our community. And that's how I found Jim. That's how I um, ended up moving back. And then after helping them for about a year, I, I'm, not, I'm not a suburb person. I don't know um, if you can pick that up by just the overwhelming mm-hmm. personality that I have. Um, but I'm definitely a city person. <laughs> and I I knew that God would bring me into London at some point. I just had no idea when. And here we are. Um, God really um, helped bring me into communities that are that are hungry for spiritual formation, that are hungry to, you know, practice the way of Jesus in really amazing ways. So doing that Amen. in a community in East London now and and helping Jem. Amen. Um create resilient like disciple makers of Jesus through being a part of our onboarding process and helping people get through as like a cultural Sherpa. Like this is how you can navigate British culture after living here for a little bit and helping people get like accustomed to like, this is the culture of gem and this is how you can build your life um, around the teachings of Jesus and live that out in a daily kind of framework. Um, so that's been the journey and it's, that's a bit long winded and I apologize, but, um, that's been it. It's it's been about, yeah, (laughs) it's been about following Jesus and I, out of my own like transformation and as I fall deeper in love with him, like I find that it becomes like that much, I guess, effortless in a lot of ways to be able to outpour that to other people. So really passionate about transformation, really passionate about, prayer, spiritual disciplines, um, you know, just receiving from the Holy Spirit and, and living out of that kind of disposition. Yeah, yeah. Wow, amen. Wow, what a story. And gosh, I I relate to you a little bit I, with the Catholic background, but then, you know, growing up in church, a bunch of different denominations for me, encountering mm-hmm. God when mm-hmm. I heard the gospel, because I didn't know what the gospel yeah. was. And yeah. our pastor at our church says over many areas are overchurched and undergospeled. And so wow. I feel like yeah. that's a common theme in the United States right now, also in, in certain parts of Europe. And so I mm-hmm. love that your ministry is, hey, I'm just going to go love people who feel like they don't have a need for something greater than themselves. Um, I just want to just pour into those people. I love that. So how long have yeah. you been in London now? I have been in London for about th- three years. 
goodness, like math mm-hmm. is, we lost like so much time with COVID. I have no idea what year it is anymore and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. So I think it's been about yeah. three years now. Yeah. So if somebody was going to come and join your ministry, uh, what are some needs that you have uh, in London? What What are some needs that Jem has in London that you could see fulfilled with, you know, God raising up more laborers for the harvest? Yeah, I was talking with a mentor recently, um, and I think the realization is, like, there's a lot of darkness in Europe, and yeah, totally. I, I don't say that to sound weird, but frankly, there's just a lot of darkness. Um, a lot of that is, like, spiritual warfare, but mainly that's there's not a lot of light here. There just the numbers mm. game of things. I mean, like you said, Christianity is now a minority religion in, in the United Kingdom. And it's just that reality that there we need more followers of Jesus to just be in Europe and just be in the UK. Yeah. Like I agree. Yeah. You don't need to be working in a church. We don't need we don't necessarily need a lot more worship pastors. We don't necessarily need a lot of preachers or whatever. I am desperate to see business people be really, really good at their job in finance and be really, really captivated by the image of Jesus and working in Goldman Mm. Sachs and seeing the kingdom of God flourish as they pray for the people in their office and they invite their coworkers over to their home and share hospitality and and get to share real life with them. And, And the same in in almost every area of regular life. Like we think about this dynamic of sacred and secular, but the kingdom of God is for all of it. And that we were called and and before the fall even, we worked, we would do things, we would create, we would cultivate the earth. And I think we have this really broken mentality of working in the kingdom of God has to be in the context of the four walls of a church, or it has to be under the umbrella of something that is church or Christian or whatever. But we are desperate. I want to see more artists creating um, art and not in like the cheesy Christian way where it's just like the word Jesus and it looks really pretty or whatever, but like creating stories that captivate the soul and... Um, people who make furniture really well and and proclaim Jesus in doing something, making something beautiful and that benefits all of humanity. Like there's there's so much you can do. So like my hope and prayer is that God will continue to like raise up people who are passionate about being on mission and who want to do that in, you know, quote unquote, ordinary places. Like come... Mm be a business person here in London. There's there's plenty of need for mm. it. Come be a barber for the glory of God. Like come and mm. and do the things that God has uniquely gifted you both in your spiritual giftings and in your natural talents and strengths. Like do those in Europe. Come and be yeah. a part of God's kingdom here because we are desperate to see more light mm. invade the darkness here in your like in mm. and especially here mm. in London. I'm I'm so desperate to see more and more people 
just come and you can, I don't know how that works visa wise. There's a lot of logistics I don't understand and am confused about, but I know that God provides. Like if God can provide housing for me and provide for all of my needs, I know the Lord is capable of figuring out a way for someone who wants to be a florist for the kingdom of God to come and be a part of what that looks like here in the UK. Yeah, well, we see that. And I love that within GEM, there's so many different ministry avenues Mm -hmm. that our missionaries are a part of. You know, uh, prosthetic ministry, uh, you have secondhand clothing stores, plenty of coffee shop ministries, sports camps, just like community outreach type things. And so I love that answer. It's like we just we just desire and want and need more believers of Christ in these places, mm-hmm. in these ordinary places, because yeah. Europe cannot reach itself, statistically cannot reach itself. And I guess we're getting around the question of why Europe now, because mm-hmm. Europe, it, it, I guess, yeah, the, the statistic is less than 2% of people who are from Europe are Christian are evangelical, yeah. claim relationship with Christ. So yeah. just just like you said that you were a Christian because you were Catholic, you did not know Christ. I think that is an accurate representation of most of the continent. Granted, there are Orthodox believers uh, who are just part of their culture. Like, I've met the most Orthodox believers that I've met that are like real followers of of Christ are Greek Orthodox people. So I'm not saying that anybody who's Catholic, anybody who's Orthodox doesn't necessarily know Christ. I'm just saying, just like many places in America where we say Mm. one nation under God, how many people really mean that? How many people really Mm -hmm. mean that this is, you know, I am a Christian in my city, and I am loving my neighbor as I love myself, and I'm serving the widow and the orphan, and I'm providing meals for the homeless and the hungry or providing shelter in some way or serving my community, we don't necessarily see that for the glory of God in Europe. So uh, I was going to ask you that question why Europe, but I think I just answered it myself. So I'd love to know your (laughs) thoughts as well, though, Leslie, about um, why Europe. I mean, piggybacking off of what you just said, I think it was brilliant, a brilliant response. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, when I think about why Europe, I think about you know, if if we long to see, the, like we pray, as Jesus taught us, like, that God's will would be done and that the kingdom would come. And if we yeah. pray that the kingdom would come, we have to think about what does the kingdom look like? And if that's yeah. every tribe, tongue, and nation coming to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus being Lord means that Jesus is Lord over every aspect of life, the way we handle finance, right. the way we handle um, our thoughts, our actions, our deeds, our words, that, that Jesus becomes the, the mission and vision of everything we do. If that's the mm-hmm. kingdom of God, and I ask for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, I want to see that happen in the places around me. And when I link, when yeah. look at what Europe is, a lot of that already happens, but it's not mm-hmm. for Jesus being Lord. It's the the right. nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered together to seek their own glory, to seek their own um, name to be praised. So if we just, yeah. we've got half of the steps already taken care of. We've gathered together every tribe, tongue, and nation in Europe. 
and they don't yet, and they're just not yet proclaiming Christ. So what if we just invaded and not invaded, but like if we just continued to draw into that and continued yeah. to um the picture that like I'm sorry, I love I love a good picture. The picture that comes to mind is okay. Mm-hmm. Imagine you you're like the world is like we we are full. We have so we're so full of so many things. So it's it's constantly mm-hmm. like we're just dining on the buffet of everything that we want. Like I'll get a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. And then the kingdom right. of God is is the Holy Spirit, the God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit. They're cooking in a kitchen. And as full as I am, when I smell what they're cooking, it is the most beautiful food. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever smelled in my life. And I want to taste that. I don't like I, I'm so full and I want to experience that. And so Christians right. forever, we do the things that Jesus did. So we start cooking with Jesus. We start making yeah. those meals and we start allowing the aroma of the kingdom of God to to envelop things. And we just I just right. want to see more and more people come and experience this meal. And I think if if so many other people are gathered at other tables and it's every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered together here in London, eating their own stuff. But I'm over here with the church, with the body of Christ, and we are dining on the best stuff you've ever seen in your life. I want people to come over and, hey, come have this meal with us. Like You can smell it. You can, t- you can see it. You can come and, and come and experience it for yourself. So I, mm. when I think about that, like, I, like there's just so much opportunity in Europe. There's like it's it's honestly like there's too much opportunity. It it feels a bit crazy. Like I can't believe everyone's not all about coming over here and being a part of what God is doing. Because it is yeah. it's like the revival stuff that I read about in history books. Like it's mm. it's the crazy little stuff of like um 400 people just showed up at at church. And uh, we didn't invite a lot of them. We just stood outside and had Christmas music pumping and had some pretty lights and stuff and had lights on in the building. And people were like, oh, what's happening here? And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's, there's carols and stuff. And then the gospel <laughs> gets proclaimed and people ask questions. And then God delivers the most beautiful snowstorm I've ever seen in my life. Like, the, I can't make this stuff up. Like, it felt like, and this, I'm, I'm, this happened on Sunday. Like wow. the crazy stuff of the kingdom of God actually happens and we actually see it. People actually get healed. People actually like find freedom from really broken things. Like Come on, this happens yeah. in Europe. It happens everywhere where the kingdom of God is, but it's breaking forth here unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. And honestly, mm. like I, I don't know why people don't want to come experience this. Like the Holy like the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. And I'm mm. I wish more and more people would come and be a part of this. Because it's mm. it's the kingdom stuff. And we get to do the stuff yeah. that Jesus talked about. And Jesus really said, you know, you will be able to do greater things than even me. We will do greater things than yeah. what Jesus was able to accomplish. And I don't I don't know what that looks like. But if that's something that Jesus promised, I know it's going to happen. 
Mm. Yeah, that's true. Amen. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for your time and thank you for your passion. Thank you for your your yes on the table and your obedience to the Father. And so obviously you have a prayer ministry every Friday that people could join us on. Uh, yeah. where we do we kind of do this same thing where you kind of do the same thing with our missionaries and we pray for those specific locations. So there's that invitation. Uh, but I'd love for you to close us in prayer, inviting people, uh, praying that yeah. Luke 10 to prayer of God raising up yeah. people to come join you, more laborers to come and and serve alongside you in other parts of Europe. And so uh, we bless you, we honor you, Leslie. Um, yeah, thank you for your time today. So if you could close this, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, God, thank you so much for the invitation that you offer to all of your kids to come and join what it is you're doing. That you are a God who invites us to draw near to you and to come and work alongside you to see all things made new. So God, it is the honor and joy of a lifetime to be able to be in Europe, to be where you... (laughs) where people are desperate for you, where people um, experience the darkness, God, and you offer light, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So, God, Mm -hmm. I just pray for more and more light in Europe. I pray even in the midst of um, the winter solstice is just around the corner, and it is some of the darkest days now in Europe, and where it's not even... Five o'clock, and now the sun is gone. Jesus, you are light, and your light shines in your people. God, bring more workers into the harvest of Europe, into your harvest and the way in which you're moving. Mm-hmm. God, we just we, we long to see you move in power. We long to see your kingdom come. Holy Spirit, We just thank you and praise you that you are still moving. And there is so much beautiful, um, there are so many beautiful stories that are going to be told about what it is you're doing here in Europe. So God, we just, we pray for the fields to be cultivated, for the seeds to be sown, and for your harvest to be reaped by more and more and more and more and more people captivated by who you are, Jesus. God, we just ask all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Why Europe podcast in partnership with Greater Europe Mission, where we believe if we can reach Europe with the gospel, we can reach the world. You can join us weekly for prayer. Actually, Leslie is the one who hosts prayer every Friday for Greater Europe Mission, where we talk with missionaries, we talk about their ministry. That's prayforeurope.live, prayforeurope.live. You can visit gemission.org for more information. Until next time, thanks so much.